1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: We live in a time when there is tremendous pressure to conform to the world. And there's tremendous pressure to get on board with what what the world and what the culture is saying and believing. And, And often what the world and the culture says is good and right and important doesn't agree with what God says is good and right. And important. And that's why it's important for us to be led by the Holy Spirit and to allow the Word of God to direct us and direct our steps.
1: Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he shares with you the importance of being led by the Holy Spirit within your walk with the Lord. The world is constantly wanting your attention and conformity. However, as disciples of Jesus, we aren't to pattern ourselves based off of this world. Pastor Dan explains that you are to pattern yourself based around the kingdom that is to come. Keep your gaze on the Lord. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Daniel chapter 7 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: 7. Uh, look at verse 1. Verse 1 tells us that Daniel received this vision in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. If You remember, Belshazzar was the king that saw the handwriting on the wall. He was the last king of Babylon that was conquered by the Medo-Persians. That was back in chapter 5. And so Daniel received this vision in the first year of Belshazzar. So this vision takes place Uh, somewhere between chapters 4 and 5 in the book of Daniel. And it says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. So God communicated to Daniel about future events, and God communicated through dreams and visions. And in the Bible, God often communicates to people through dreams, and visions. We find that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And God still communicates to people through dreams and visions. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the believers in Jerusalem, on Pentecost, Peter explained to the crowd of witnesses what God was doing by quoting from the prophet Joel. And Peter said to that crowd, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and then he quotes from Joel chapter 2 And it shall come to pass in the last days, so that's the time stamp for us. In the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And so, according to the prophet Joel, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. It was it was an indication that we're in the last days and part of the last days includes God speaking through dreams and visions. That's that's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit there in Acts chapter two. Uh, Daniel has a total of four visions in these remaining chapters. The the first one here in chapter seven is the most comprehensive. The other three visions, as we're going to see they, they kind of relate to this first vision. So this first vision gives us a framework for the remaining visions that Daniel will have. Uh, verse 1 tells us Daniel wrote down the dream, telling us the main facts. That's what you have here in chapter 7. Isn't that kind of cool? Like it says he wrote it down and you've got it right there in, in your Bible. I think that's cool. So Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold... The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Uh, The great sea is the Mediterranean Sea. And in this vision, this dream, Daniel sees the great sea stirred up by the four winds of heaven. Uh, The great, great sea is in chaos, violent chaos. And listen, listen, tune in for me. In the Bible, the sea is often a symbol of the nation's of the world. It's a symbol of the nations of the world. Uh, we find this in several places in the Bible. I'll just share a couple verses with you uh, out of Isaiah. Uh, the first one is in Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12, if you're taking notes. It says Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas, and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will flee far away and be chased like the chaff off the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. So there it describes the nations like the rushing of of many waters. They make a noise like the roar of the seas. In Isaiah chapter 57, verse 20, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. So there again, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. And so here we see in Daniel's dream and his vision, he sees the Mediterranean Sea. He sees the sea stirred up. The nations of the world are are stirred up. And just, just as the sea can become stormy and turbulent and chaotic and violent just in a moment, So can nations. Nations can do that. Nations can erupt in chaos and violence and instability very quickly. And just as the sea can be unpredictable, so can the course of human events be unpredictable. Who could have predicted a gas shortage a week ago? Or or that there would be an ethnic war in the streets of Israel two weeks ago? Or a pandemic that would shut down the whole world? A year and a half ago. So the, the nations of the world are, are like the sea. And the sea gets stirred up. Things can, get, you know, things can deteriorate very quickly in a nation or in the world, as we've seen. Now look at verse 3. Watch what happens here. In verse 3 now, the sea stirred up, which is a symbol of the nations. And then in verse 3, four world empires emerge... From the stirred up sea, the instability and the trouble in the world created an opportunity for these empires to seize power, as is the case when there's instability. Instability and confusion creates an opportunity for a power grab. And that can happen on a small scale, on a local scale. That can happen on a national scale. Uh, That can happen on an international scale. And that's what it's describing for us here. These four world empires that that come out of this sea that's been stirred up. There's chaos in the world and it creates an opportunity for these empires to emerge and seize power. And these four empires are described as four beasts that come up from the sea. These four empires are the same four empires that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream back in chapter 2. Remember back in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had the dream where he saw the, the statue that had, remember, it had the uh, head of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of, of brass, legs of iron and feet and toes that were a mixture of clay and, and iron. And we saw in chapter 2 that the, the head of fine gold represented the Babylonian empire The chest and arms of silver represented the Medo-Persian Empire. And the belly and thighs of brass represented the Greek Empire. The legs of iron represented the Roman Empire. And the feet of clay and iron represent a a future empire that is to come into the world. Well, the four beasts that we find here in chapter 7 in Daniel's dream, they correspond with the empire's in Nebuchadnezzar's vision of that, that statue in chapter 2. But here, here's the difference, and it's an important difference. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he saw those empires as, as, a, as a big, impressive statue of a man that was made of, of precious metals, right? It was very magnificent and beautiful and, and valuable, Well, Daniel sees those very same empires as beasts, as wild animals that just, that just devour people and devour nations, that just go about conquering. So you have, you have man's view of nations, that's chapter two, and you have God's view of nations. They're looking at the same thing. And in man's view, Man looks at a nation and sees it as maybe something wonderful and something very impressive to behold, something to admire, and God looks at that same nation and he sees it as, as a beast, as a ferocious wild animal that just destroys life. And this is a good reminder to us that God doesn't always see things the way that people see things. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And neither are your ways like my ways. And we live in a time when there is tremendous pressure to conform to the world. And there's tremendous pressure to get on board with what what the world and what the culture is saying and believing. And, And often what the world and the culture says is good and right and important doesn't agree with what God says is good and right. And important. And that's why it's important for us to be led by the Holy Spirit and to allow the Word of God to direct us and direct our steps. So, in verse 4, we have a description of the first beast, this first empire. And he describes it in verse 4 like a lion. The first was like a lion, and it had eagle's wings. And I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. So, so there's this lion with eagle's wings, and this represented the Babylonian empire. Uh, all over ancient Babylon, in the artwork and the architecture, you found lions with eagle's wings, depicting the Babylonian empire. Uh, and, and even in the scriptures, Babylon is identified with both a lion and an eagle. Jeremiah chapter 49, verses 19 to 22, for example. I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: We see here that the wings of the lion were plucked off. The lion was made to stand like a man. He was given a man's heart. And, and this speaks of the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4. If you remember that, back in chapter 4, uh, Nebuchadnezzar became very proudful, prideful, very arrogant, and God humbled him. And God made Nebuchadnezzar uh, temporarily insane. And Nebuchadnezzar went out in the wilderness and he lived like an animal for seven years. You guys remember that. Until he looked to heaven and he acknowledged God. And then his mind was restored to him and his kingdom was restored to him, and, and that's what this seems to be referring to here. When God plucked his wings, so to speak, humbled Nebuchadnezzar, and then Nebuchadnezzar became a believer in Yahweh and, and confessed Yahweh, and his heart was changed by God. And so that's the first beast. In verse five, we have the second beast. Verse five it says, "And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and." had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. So you have the second beast. It's like a a bear. And now a bear is not as majestic as a lion, especially not a lion with wings. A bear is slower than a lion, kind of lumbers along. But a bear is strong and a bear is ferocious When you get home tonight, if there is a grizzly bear in your living room, I bet the first words out of your mouth are not going to be, well, at least it's not a lion, right? It's just as terrifying to see a a bear in your living room. The bear represented the Medo-Persian empire that came after the Babylonian empire. It says one side of the bear was raised up because the Persians were actually more powerful than the Medes. So it was kind of a lopsided empire. The three ribs in its mouth refers to three conquests by the Persians. They conquered Babylon, uh, they conquered Egypt, and they com- com- uh, conquered uh, Lida, which is in modern day Turkey. And so with those three victories, the Medo-Persians established dominance in Asia, Africa, and Europe. And so those were, those were big victories for them. Notice also the bear devours much flesh. Uh, the Medo-Persian empire was, a, was just a, a slow-moving, devouring empire. You know, the Medo-Persians would just simply uh, overwhelm their enemies with their superior size and strength. Again, just like, like a, a bear, a grizzly bear, just moving across the land, devouring everything in its, in its path. That brings us to the third beast in verse 6. After this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. So we have a winged leopard. This, this leopard has four wings instead of just two wings, like the lion. Uh, leopards are also known for their, for their great swiftness, their agility, their strength. Uh, they, they make sudden, unexpected attacks on their prey. Uh, Leopards are actually the most deadly of the large cats, deadlier than lions. Uh, And you probably have seen the nature shows, right, where the leopard chases down like the antelope, uh, or I saw one where a leopard uh, killed a zebra and then carried the zebra up into a tree and ate the zebra in a tree. That's a leopard. You know, that, that just gives you a good idea of what a leopard's like. Well, this is a a winged leopard, kind of like the flying monkeys in The Wizard of Oz. He's just even more terrifying than a leopard would be a winged leopard. And the winged leopard represents the Greek empire under Alexander the Great. Uh, Alexander the Great conquered the Mediterranean world and the Middle East in 13 years. Very short amount of time. He was very swift. He, He conquered all of the Mediterranean world Uh, really from from Europe all the way to India and 13 years before he turned 33 years old. He conquered the world like a winged leopard. After Alexander the Great's death, his empire was divided among his four generals. That's what the four heads refers to in verse 6. And so now we come to verse 7 and the fourth beast here. And after this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast. Dreadful. And terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking, in pieces, and and trampling the residue or the remains of what it had killed with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. It was considering. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three. Of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words so th- this fourth beast is the Roman Empire, but it 's talking about more than just the Roman Empire. Uh, notice Daniel doesn't describe it as one particular animal like he did with the previous empires he doesn't say it 's like a lion or it's like a bear it 's like a winged leopard. It, it's indescribable what he sees here. It's not like any animal or any beast he, he had ever seen before. He says it's dreadful and terrible. It's exceedingly strong. It has huge iron teeth. It was devouring. It's bra- it was breaking in pieces. It was, it was trampling the remains uh, with, with its feet. Uh, and and that, you know, that's describing the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire swept across the ancient world, defeating and destroying you know, one army after another, uh, until the Roman Empire extended from the Atlantic Ocean and Europe all the way to India. Uh, just, just an an amazing empire, an amazing, amazingly efficient army, government, and in history, there really is no empire that compares to the Roman Empire. Uh, The Roman Empire existed in one form or another for almost 1,400 years. The United States is 245 years old. The Roman Empire existed for 1,400 years. Now, at the end of verse 7, Daniel sees ten horns that come out of this fourth beast, which would be the Roman Empire, but he sees ten horns... And these 10 horns, they would correspond to the 10 toes in Nebuchadnezzar's vision back in chapter 10. Remember the stone, the toes that were of mixture of iron and clay that are crushed? And again, in verse, verse eight, it says, "I, I was considering the horns." So he's looking at these horns. And then he sees another horn, a little horn, coming up among the ten horns before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this little horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, so speaking of wisdom there, intelligence, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Now, horns in the Bible represent strength or, or, or power, and he's going to tell us the interpretation of these ten horns and this little horn later on in the chapter. If you look down in verse 24, I'll just give you a little sneak preview here. In verse 24, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, And another shall rise after them. That would be the little horn. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three of the kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. So we're told here, uh, and we'll talk more about that when we get to those verses. But just basically here, the ten horns represent ten kingdoms that will arise out of the former Roman Empire. And from those ten kings will arise this little horn, this leader, who will become the last human leader of mankind, uh, the, the, the leader of the last empire. Right? That sounds like a Star Wars movie, The Last Empire. There's going to be one last human government in the world before Jesus Christ comes back. And this, this little horn will be the leader of that last government before Christ returns. Now, this little horn, he's known by many names in the Bible, but the most familiar name is the Antichrist. Uh, even though the Antichrist appears, I think, just five times in the New Testament. That's, that's the name that most people latch on to. And think of when they think of this this world leader who's going to come on the scene in the last days. Uh, this little horn is that last human leader of of mankind again, popularly known as the the antichrist. Uh, the word antichrist it means instead of Christ. People are going to look to him, this last leader, to be kind of a savior for the world instead of looking to Jesus Christ. We're told here he comes out of these ten nations, uh, this, this ten-nation confederation uh, that comes out of the Roman Empire. Now, historically, there were not ten nations that came out of the Roman Empire. So what's described here at this point in Daniel 7, it hasn't happened yet.
3: He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure the within-
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Daniel, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And we encourage you to keep reading on your own. This book is filled with application for your life today and many amazing prophecies about what's to come in the world. Would you like to listen to more teachings in this series or explore other message series from God's Word? visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture and we'll notify you every time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We also want to encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your walk with the Lord. It's important to spend time in fellowship with other believers. If you're ever in or near the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Each week we gather together at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sundays to worship our Savior and study His Word. Visit calvaryec.com to find directions and get more information about joining us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in Daniel, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I
3: recognize